Hey guys, thank you for joining me today for another episode. I hope you guys are ready for an awesome Monday and just a great week. But to start out this week, I hope this message will be a blessing to you. And this message is titled, Where Can I Go? Now, as a kid, I think everyone has played hide-and-go-seek at some point. You know, of course, with the objective being to find the best and most unlikely hiding places. I played hide-and-go-seek in houses, yards, woods, Christmas tree farms, huge three-story church, you name it. And each time, the goal is to find the best places that no one will think to look. Some people, you know, were amazing at playing the game. They were quiet and patient, while others would move around too much or make too much noise, and, you know, ultimately that leads to them getting caught. Anyways, maybe you play hide-and-go-seek with, you know, with other things. Like, my brother was notorious for playing hide-and-go-seek with paddles. Every time my dad would make a paddle, my brother would hide it so my dad couldn't find it. Unfortunately for him, my dad was also good at making things, and he would just go out to his shop and make another one. Eventually, we found all those missing paddles, and they ended up being behind a big piece of furniture. You know, But some people like to hide other things like keys and phones. Not intentionally, of course, but you know, what happens is they usually set their keys or phones down somewhere, and then later when they need it, they can't remember where they put it, and the hunt begins. My wife does that all the time with her phone. Then I'll hear, someone call me. I can't find my phone. That usually leads, you know, when she says someone call me, that usually leads me to saying her name a few times, which results in her showing her disapproval of my sense of humor at the moment. But someone will ultimately have to call her to try and find it, except that doesn't really help when the phone's on silent. But anyway, have you ever tried to, uh, or ever had someone that you were trying to avoid? You know, if they were going to be at an event, you wouldn't go. Or if they showed up at an event, you would go in the opposite direction. I mean, I've literally been at you know Walmart, for example, and saw someone I didn't want to deal with or talk to and would go all around the store to avoid them. Even go into the London Garden area to check out just so I wouldn't have to run into them. You may feel like that at your job when you see your boss or supervisor. You know they want to give you some more work or add something else to your plate or whatever the reason may be, so you try to avoid them if possible. People also act like that sometimes when they've wronged someone and the guilt sets in. Uh, They will avoid that person so they don't have to deal with the issue. Maybe someone wronged you and you're angry with them, so you don't want to have anything to do with them, so you avoid them. We have a tendency to avoid people that we don't you know, care for and try to avoid any situation that would make us have to deal with them. What if God was the one sending you to talk to that someone that you really can't stand? You would probably try to talk God out of it, explaining all the ways that is that it's a bad idea. Or you may be like Jonah and just decide to run from God and go in the opposite direction from where he's telling you to go. Now, let me say this. Jonah is often a Bible story that is taught to kids or in children's church. If you've ever watched the Veggie Tales, which I love, by the way, uh, I think that we probably have almost every Veggie Tale movie ever made. You know, I personally think that's one of the best kids' uh, movies. You know, for just sharing God, the Veggie Tales are awesome. 
Okay. But anyways, Bridget Tills has a Jonah movie. And anytime I think about Jonah, I, I think about VeggieTales and children's ministry. But in reality, the story of Jonah and his call to go to Nineveh has a tremendous amount of truth in it that I feel is relevant to adults in our walk with God. You see, Jonah tried to play hide-and-go-seek with, with God, except who in their right mind would do that? Who would play hide-and-go-seek with the God of heaven and earth who is omnipresent? Jonah clearly didn't think it through. But look at what Psalm 139, 7-12 says. Where can I go to get away from your spirit? Where can I run to get away from you? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I climb upward on the rays of the morning sun or land on the most distant shore of the sea where the sun sets, even there your hand would guide me and your right hand would hold on to me. If I say, let the darkness hide me and let the light around me turn to night, even the darkness is not too dark for you. Night is as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Essentially, where can I go to get away from God? Nowhere. How do you run from someone who is already where you are going? The answer is you don't. Believe it, but you know what? Leave it up to man to test that rule and try to see if they can hide from an omnipresent God. Jonah, in, in Jonah 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So God calls him to go to Nineveh. And what does he do? He literally goes in the opposite direction. Now, you have to understand, Nineveh was a big city filled with some ungodly, wicked people that were often at war with Israel. To Jonah, they were the enemy. The people that Jonah would have loved to see God's judgment poured out on. Now, that's like telling an Alabama fan to go over to the Auburn side and cheer for them. If you're from the South, you know that ain't happening. God wants Jonah to go to the enemy and give them a message of warning from God. But Jonah doesn't like that idea, so he runs from God. I mean, as if you can do that. But nonetheless, in Jonah 1.3, it says, He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Have you ever ran from God? I mean, have you heard his call, but you tried to ignore it? I love the story of Jonah because he is not so different from many Christians today. If there is someone we really don't like, I mean someone that you would like to see God pour out his judgment on, then you know how God, I mean, I'm sorry, then you know how Jonah felt. Now, what happens next is multifaceted. Jonah makes a decision to disobey God, and his decision puts other people who had nothing to do with Jonah's bad decision in danger. In Jonah verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, it talks about how God caused a storm to come that was so intense that the ship was in danger of breaking apart. 
The people on the, on the boat threw cargo overboard and prayed to their gods, but nothing changed. They were freaking out, and the captain went down into the, the ship only to find Jonah sleeping. And he's like, what are you doing sleeping? Get up and pray to your God in hopes that he will give thought to us and, and keep us from dying. God sets the stage to do what he does best. Show the unbelievers that he and he alone is God. The people cast lots to figure out who is responsible for this danger that they are in. And of course, the lot fell on Jonah. So they look at him and want to know who he is and where he's from. When he tells them that he's a Hebrew who fears God, the one who made the sea and the dry land, they heard this and became even more afraid and wanted to know what they could do to Jonah to make the sea calm down. So Jonah tells them, throw him overboard. The people don't want to do that, so they try to row harder. But the storm got worse, and God prevented them from getting back to shore, so they threw Jonah overboard, and the sea became calm. Jonah 1, 15-16, So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So many things happened all at the same time. Oftentimes we read the story from one perspective, but look at what has happened so far. Jonah disobeyed God, and his disobedience put others in danger. When we run from God, others suffer. When you run from God, he will follow you to the ends of the earth, and he, will, and he does not give up on you even if you do. While working to get Jonah's attention and bring him to a point of surrender, God uses that as an opportunity to get the attention of everyone around Jonah, to show them he is God alone, and it worked. This shows that even your sin can't stop God from revealing himself to those around you. This story shows that when we surrender to God's will, you find peace in the storm and others are blessed for it. When I read this, I also see the abundance of God's mercy. Jonah disobeyed and deserved to be punished and was thrown overboard, which should have been the end of Jonah. But God's abundant mercy spared Jonah. I'm sure as you listen just to this first chapter, there's, I'm sure there's parts of it that you can probably relate to. You know, are you running from God in some area of your life? Who is being affected by that decision? Who is not being blessed because of that decision? Do you think God can't use you because you messed up? God will let the storm rage on until he gets your attention. But he won't let up until you, until you surrender to his will. God will pursue you and won't stop until he has all of you. Despite our sin, God always shows an abundance of mercy. That's why David said, Let me suffer at the hands of, of God and not man because I know God is merciful. No matter what you have done, God is full of mercy and forgiveness. What a loving and compassionate God we serve. Even when we mess up, he will hunt us down just to show us his grace and mercy. But it was when Jonah surrendered that the people saw God's power and worshipped him. What could God do through us if we stopped running and surrendered to him completely? God, thank you for your abundant mercy. 
When I read your word, Lord, all I see anymore is your mercy, love, and grace from Genesis to Revelation. You, God, are an amazing God. Who is like our God? The earth trembles before you. Nations are brought low by your word, but when your people humble themselves, you promise to raise them up. God, your grace is sufficient for us, and my prayer is that your people would surrender to you completely. Bring revival, God. Let light a fire in the hearts of your people. Let us stand on your promises and declare your truth to all those who will listen. Thank you, God, that you just you don't leave us to our sin, but you pursue us and throw and through your mercy and grace you teach us and restore us. God, I believe there is a miracle in the works for your people. I believe the stage is set, Lord. Now I ask you to do what only you can do. Make believers out of unbelievers. Fill your people with the power of your spirit so that we may walk in the power of your truth and be that city on a hill. Thank you, God, for never giving up on us. And it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.